Today is June 17th. We're going to record the Bible. First of all, we're going to record Proverbs for the day, okay. Proverbs 17. Okay. Um, I don't mean to be rude, but... You don't want a commentary? I <laughs> <laughs> told you I was going to be recording something. <laughs> no background noise, baby. <laughs> Wait. Sorry. I forgot you were recording. <laughs> I Lower this a little bit. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. A prudent servant will rule over a disgraceful son and will share the inheritance as one of the, of the family. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. What do you think that means? The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Quickly. Um, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord will be things that come your way that the Lord is wanting to see what you will do. Good. Very good. And it could be in a dream. It could be in a situation at the grocery store. It could be anything. Outstanding. Okay. Uh, number four. A wicked person listens to deceitful lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Whoever mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. That's that says to me when you see a poor person walking by, you bless them, mm -hmm. and you bless disasters. Don't say God is punishing the nation. You have mm -hmm. compassion for the people that you know go through an earthquake or something. God is not punishing. Children are children. Children's children are a crown to the age, <laughs> and parents are the pride of their children. Amen. And we are experiencing that with our grandkids and our parents, right? Mm -hmm. Eloquent lips are unsuited for a godless fool. How much worse lying lips to a ruler? A bribe is seen as a charm by the one who gives it. They think success will come at every turn. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter <laughs> separates close friends. A rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes of pull. Evildoers foster rebellion against God. The messenger of death will be sent against them. Better to meet a bear rather her cubs than a fool bent on folly. That's the way somebody with some kind of idea trying to get you to it. Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good. And it's amazing. God is mm. always good, you know. And we, when we were away from God, we would pay God with evil. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. 15. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. Why should fools have money in hand to buy wisdom when they are not able to understand it? 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. I love that one. 
I love it. I love it. 18. One who has no sense shakes hands in pledge and puts up security for a neighbor. You want to sign for anybody's card, babe? Mm -hmm. 19. Whoever loves a quarrel loves sin. Whoever builds a high gate invites destruction. 20. One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper, and one whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. 21. A, to a fool for a child brings grief. To have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the apparent of a godless fool. 22. Here's my favorite. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Now tell me why a cheerful heart is good medicine and a crutch spirit dries up the bone. Mm. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Well, it, it's just you have joy and joy overcomes any kind of despair all the time. Where does joy come from? Joy comes from the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my it comes strength. comes from heaven. Huh? Yeah. Okay, and a cheerful so. heart, is, you can say, is counting your blessings. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Making a yeah. gratitude list. Just to uh, work, work your uh, endorphins, the morphines, the mm -hmm. dopamines, and all these good, good quality medicines that run through your body. Twenty-three, the wicked accept bribes in secret to pervert the course of justice. Twenty-four, who is that singing, babe? Sounds like Andy Williams. Yeah. A discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wanders to the ends of the earth. 25. A foolish son brings grief to his father and bitterness to the mother who bore him. 26. If imposing a fine on the innocent is not good, surely to flog honest officials is not right. The, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraints. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, and discerning if they hold their tongue. Well, let's take a look at this at another. I was thinking of the message, which is cool. <laughs> it says right here, a whack on the head of a fool. This is the message Bible. A meal of bread and water is in contented peace is better than a banquet spiced with quarrels. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm? A meal of bread and water in contented peace mm. is better than a banquet spiced with quarrels. Wow, beautiful. <clears throat> a wise servant takes charge of an unruly child <clears throat> and is honored as one of the family. As silver in a crucible and gold in a pan, so our lives are assessed by God. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Evil people relish malicious conversation. The ears of liars itch for dirty gossip. <clears throat> Five, whoever mocks poor people insult their creator. Gloating over misfortune is a punishable crime. Six, old people are distinguished by grandchildren. Children take pride in their parents. Seven, we don't expect eloquence from fools, nor do we expect lies from our leaders. Eight, receiving a gift is like getting a rare gemstone. One way to look at it, you see beauty refracted. Nine, overlook an offense and bond a friendship. Fasten on to a slight and goodbye friend. A quiet rebuke to a person of good sense does more than a whack in the head of a fool. 
criminals out looking for nothing but trouble won't have to wait long. They'll meet it coming and going. Better to meet a grisly rival her cubs than a fool hell-bent on falling. 13. Those who return evil for good will meet their own evil returning. 14. The start of a quarrel is like a leak in a dam, so stop it before it bursts. Whitewashing bad people and throwing mud on good people are equally abhorrent to God. What's this? Fools out shopping for wisdom? They wouldn't recognize it if they saw it. Friends love through all kinds of weather, and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. <clears throat> it's stupid to try to get something for nothing or run up huge bills you can never pay. The person who courts sin marries trouble. Build a wall and invite a burglar. 20. A bad motive can't achieve a good end. Double talk brings you double trouble. Having a fool for a child is misery. It is not fun being the parent of a adult. 22. A cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. 23. The wicked take bribes under the table. They show nothing but contempt for justice. 24. Perceptive find wisdom in their own front yard. Fools looking for everywhere but right there. 25. A surely stupid child is sheer pain to a father. A bitter pill for a mother to swallow. It is, it's wrong to penalize good behavior or make good citizens pay for the crimes of others. 27. The one who knows much says little and an understanding person remains calm. Even dunces who keep quiet are thought to be wise. As long as they keep their mouth shut, they're smart. Pretty cool. Okay, let's go to Psalms. Today is the 17th. The book of Psalms. I'm going to switch over to the uh, New King James Version. It says, Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is from deceitful lips, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. <clears throat> Let your eye look on the things that are upright. You have tested my heart. <clears throat> you have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. By the way, it's 4.58 in the morning. I have purpose that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the path of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your path, though my footsteps may not slip. That my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O oh, you who save those who trust in you, <clears throat> from those who rise up against them, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me under the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who oppress me, from the deadly enemies who surround me, they have closed up their fat hearts. With their mouths they speak proudly. They have now surrounded us in our steps, and they have set their eyes crouching down on the earth. As a lion is eager to tear his prey, and like a young lion lurking in secret places, 
Arise, O Lord, confront him, cast him down. Deliver my life from the wicked with your sword, with your hand from men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life, and whose belly you fill with your hidden treasure. They are satisfied with children, and they leave the rest of their possessions to their babes. As for me, I will see you face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. <clears throat> now we move from 17 to 47. I'm going to the NIV. Psalms 47. For the Lord Most High is awesome, mm -hmm. the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, people under our mm -hmm. feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Amen. Nice too. Psalm 77. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to the God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remember you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remember my songs in the night. My heart meditate and my spirit ask. Will the Lord reject us forever? Will he never show his favor again? Will his unfailing love vanish forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles mm -hmm. of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate mm -hmm. on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. With your mighty arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw you, God. The water saw you and, and, and withered. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the seas. Your way through the mighty waters, through your footprints, were not seen. You led your people like a flock. 
by the hand of Moses and Aaron. 77, 87, 107, Psalm 107. We give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those He redeemed from the hand of the foe, those He gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distresses. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, he fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains. Because they reveled against God's command and despised the plans of the Most High, so he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and their utter darkness, then broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he broke down the gates of bronze and he cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, for his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offering and tell of his works with songs of joy. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Some went out on the sea in ships, and they were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted up high the waves. They mounted up the heavens and went down to the depth. In their pearl, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of the distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. He turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground, and fruitful land into a salt waste. Because of the wickedness of those who live there, he turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live, and they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards, and they yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them, and their numbers greatly increased, and, and he did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased, and they were humble by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in trackless wastes. 
but he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice for all this, but all the wicked shut their mouth. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being so kind mm. and merciful. Psalm 137, mm. verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars mm. we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing one of those songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord with, while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day of Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried, tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you. According to what you have done to us, happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. It might have been worse. Page 348 of the AA Big Book. Alcohol was a looming cloud in this banker's bright sky. With rare foresight, he realized that it could become a tornado. How can a person with a fine family, an attractive home, and an excellent position and high standing in the important city become an alcoholic? As I later found out through Alcoholics Anonymous, alcohol is no respecter of economic status, social and business standing, or intelligence. I was raised like the majority of American boys coming from a family of modest circumstances, attending public schools, having the social life of a small Midwestern town with part-time work and some athletics. The ambition to succeed was instilled in me by my Scandinavian parents who came to this country where opportunities were so great. Keep busy, always have something constructive to do. I did work of all kinds after school and during vacation trying to find that which would appeal most as a goal for a life work. Then there was the wartime service to interrupt my plans and an education to be picked up after the war. After that came marriage, getting started in business and the family. The story is now very different from that of thousands of other young men in my generation. It shows nothing or no one to blame for alcoholism. The drive to get ahead to succeed kept me too busy for many years. To have any great experience with social life, I would have begrudged the time or money for alcohol. In fact, I was afraid to try it for fear that I would wind up like many examples I have seen of excessive drinking in the Army. I was intolerant of people who drank, particularly those who drank to an extent that interfered with their on-the-job performance. In time, I became an officer and director of one of the largest commercial banks in the country. I achieved recognized and national standing in my profession as well as becoming a director in many important institutions having to do with the civic life of a large city. I had a family to be proud of, actively sharing in the responsibilities of good 
citizenship. My drinking did not start until after I was 35 and a fairly successful career had been established. But success brought increased social activities and I realized that many of my friends enjoyed a social drink with no apparent harm to themselves or others. I disliked being different, so ultimately I began to join them occasionally. At first it was just that, an occasional drink. Then I looked forward to the weekend of golf and the 19th hole. The cocktail hour became a daily routine. Gradually the quantity increased and the occasions for a drink came more frequently. A hard day, worries and pressures, bad news, good news, there were more and more reasons for a drink. Why did I want to increasingly greater quantities of alcohol? It was frightening that the drink was being substituted for more and more of the things I really enjoyed. Doing like golf, hunting, and fishing were now merely excuses to drink excessively. I made promises to myself and friends and broke them. Short dry spells ended in heavy drinking. I tried to hide my drinking by going places where I was unlikely to see anyone. I knew hangovers and remorse were always with me. The next steps were bottle hiding and excuses for trips in order to drink without restraint. Cunning, baffling, powerful, and gradually creeping up at the frequency and quantity of alcohol and what it does to a person is apparent to everyone but the person involved. When it became noticeable to the point of comment, I devised ways of sneaking drinks on the side. Rehearsals then became part of the pattern. Stopping at bars on the way to or from the place where drinks were being served. Never having enough, always craving more. The obsession for alcohol gradually began to dominate all my activities, particularly while traveling. Drinking planning became more important than any other plans. I tried the wagon on numerous occasions, but I always felt unhappy and abused. I tried psychiatry, but of course I gave the psychiatrist no cooperation. I was living in constant fear that I would get caught while driving a car, so I used taxis part of the time. Then I began to have blackouts, and that was a constant worry. To wake up at home not knowing how I got there and to realize I had driven my car became torture. Not knowing where I had been or how I got home was making me desperate. It now became necessary to have noon drinks. At first, just two, then gradually more. My hours at work were flexible so that returning to the office was not always important. Then I became careless and returned sometimes when I shouldn't have. This worried me. My last two years of my drinking, my entire personality changed to a cynical, intolerant, and arrogant person completely different from my normal self. It was at this stage of my life that resentments came in, resenting anyone and everyone who might interfere with my personal plans and ways of doing things, especially for any interference with my drinking. I was full of self-pity. I will never know all the people I hurt, all the friends I abused, the humiliation of my family, the worry of my business associates or how far reaching it was. I continue to be surprised by the people I met who say, you haven't had a drink for a long time, have you? The surprise to me is the fact that I didn't know that they knew my drinking had gotten out of control. That is where we are really fooled. We think we can drink to excess without anyone knowing it. 
Everyone knows it. The only one who are, we are fooling is ourselves. We rationalize and excuse our conduct beyond our reason. My wife and I had always encouraged our children to bring their friends home at any time, but after a few experiences with a drunken father, they eliminated home as a place to entertain friends. At that time, this didn't mean much to me. I was too busy devising excuses to be out with drinking pals. It seemed to my wife was becoming more intolerable and narrow-minded all the time. Whenever we went out, she appeared to go out of her way to keep me from having more than one drink. What alcoholic can be satisfied with one drink? After every cocktail party or dinner party, she would say she couldn't understand how I could get in such a drunken stupor on one drink. She, of course, course, didn't realize how cunning an alcoholic can be on the length to which he will go in finding ways to satisfy the compulsion for more and more drinks after having had the first one. Neither did I. Finally, our invitations became fewer and fewer as friends had more experience with my drinking pattern. Two years before I joined AA, my wife took a long trip during which she wrote me she just couldn't return unless I did something about my drinking. It was a shock, of course, but I promised to stop and she returned. A year later, while we were on a vacation trip, she packed up to go home because of my excessive drinking. And I talked her out of it with the promise I would go on the wagon for at least a year. I promised, but within two months, I began again. The following spring, she left me one day without giving me any idea of where she had gone, hoping this would bring me to my senses. In a few days, an attorney called on me and explained that something would have to be done or she couldn't face returning to me as I was. Again, I promised to do something about it. Broken promises, humiliation, hopelessness, worry, anxiety, but still not enough. There comes a time when you don't want to live and are afraid to die. Some crises bring you to a point of deciding to do something about your drinking problem, to try anything. Help you continually reject it. Suggestions once turned aside are finally accepted in desperation. The final decision came when my daughter, following a drunk of mine that ruined my wife's birthday, said, It's Alcoholics Anonymous or else. Of course, this suggestion had been made before on a number of occasions, but like all alcoholics, I wanted to handle my problem my own way, which really meant I didn't want anything to interfere with my drinking. I was trying to find an easier, softer way. By now, it had become difficult to visualize a life without alcohol. However, my low had been reached. I realized I had been going down and down. I was unhappy myself, and I had brought unhappiness to all who cared for me. Physically, I couldn't take it anymore. Cold sweats, jumpy nerves, and a lack of sleep were becoming intolerable. Mentally, the fears and tensions, the complete change in attitude and outlook bewildered me. This was no way to live. The time for decision had arrived, and it was a relief to say yes when my family said they would call Alcoholics Anonymous for me. A relief even though I dreaded, feeling that this was the end of everything. 
Early the next morning, a man whose name I knew well, a lawyer, called on me. Within 30 minutes, I knew AA was the answer for me. We visited most of the day and attended a meeting that night. I don't know what I expected, but I almost certainly didn't visualize a group of people talking about their drinking problems, making light of their personal tragedies, and at the same time enjoying themselves. However, after I heard a few stories of jails, sanitariums, broken homes, and skid row, I wondered if really was an alcoholic. After all, I hadn't started to drink early in life, so I had some stability and maturity to guide me for a while. My responsibility had been a restraining influence. I had had no brushes with the law, though I should have had many. I had not yet lost my job or family, even though both were on the verge of going. My financial standing had not been impaired. Could I be an alcoholic without some of the hair-racing experiences I had heard of in meetings? The answer came to me very simply in the first step of the 12 steps of AA. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. This didn't say we had to be in jail 10, 50, or 100 times. It didn't say I had to lose one, five, or 10 jobs. It didn't say I had to lose my family. It didn't say I had to finally live on Skid Row and drink my bay rum, canned heat, or lemon extract. It didn't say I admitted I was powerless over alcohol. It did say, excuse me, it did say I admitted I was powerless over alcohol, that my life had become unmanageable. Most certainly I was powerless over alcohol, and for me, my life had become unmanageable. It wasn't how far I had gone, but where I was headed. It was important to me to see that what alcohol had done to me and would continue to do if I didn't have help. At first, it was a shock to realize I was an alcoholic. But the realization that there was hope made it easier. The baffling problem of getting drunk when I had every intention of staying sober was simplified. It was a great relief to know I didn't have to drink anymore. I was told that I must want sobriety for my own sake, and I am convinced this is true. There may be many reasons that bring one to AA for the first time, but the lasting one must be to want sobriety and the AA way of living for oneself. From the start, I liked everything about the AA program. I liked the description of the alcoholic as a person who has found that alcohol is interfering with his social or business life. The allergy idea I could understand because I am allergic to certain pollens. Some of my family are allergic to certain foods. What could be more reasonable than that? Some people, including myself, were allergic to alcohol. The explanation that alcoholism was a disease of a twofold nature, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Clear up a number of puzzling questions for me. Excuse me. The allergy we could do nothing about. Somehow our bodies had reached the point where we could no longer absorb alcohol in our system. The why is not important. The fact is that one drink will set up a reaction in our system that requires more. That one drink is too much and a hundred drinks are not enough. 
The obsession of the mind was a little harder to understand, and yet everyone has obsessions of various kinds. The alcoholic had them to an exaggerated degree. Over a period of time, he has built up self-pity and resentments toward anyone or anything that interferes with his drinking. Dishonest thinking, prejudice, ego, antagonism toward anyone and everyone who dares to cross him. Vanity and a critical attitude are character defects that gradually creep in and become part of his life. Living with fear and tension inevitably results in wanting to ease that tension, which alcohol seemed to do temporarily. It took me some time to realize that the 12 steps of AA were designed to help correct these defects of character and to help remove the obsession to drink. The 12 steps, which to me are a spiritual way of living, soon meant honest thinking, not wishful thinking, open-mindedness, a willing to try, and a faith to accept. This meant patience, tolerance, and humility, and above all, the belief that a power greater than myself could help. That power I choose to call God. A willingness to do whatever I was told to do simplify the program for me. Again, a willingness to do whatever I was told to do simplified the program for me. Study the AA book. Don't just read it. They told me to go to meetings, and I still do at every available opportunity, whether I am at home or in some other city. Attending meetings has never been a chore for me. Nor have I attended them with a feeling of just doing my duty. Meetings are both relaxing and refreshing to me. After a hard day, they say, get active, get active. So I help whenever I could, and I still do. A spiritual experience to me meant attending meetings and seeing a group of people all there for the purpose of helping each other. Hearing the 12 steps and the 12 traditions read at a meeting. And hearing the Lord's Prayer, which in an AA meeting has such great meaning, Thy will be done, not mine. A spiritual awakening soon came to mean trying each day to be a little more thoughtful, more considerate, a little more courteous to those with whom I came in contact. To most of us, making amends will take the rest of our lives, but we can start immediately just by being sober. We'll be making amends to many we have hurt by our drunken actions. Making amends is sometimes doing what we are capable of doing but fail to do. Because of alcohol, carrying out community responsibilities such as community funds, Red Cross education, and religious activities in proportion to our ability and energy. I was desperately in earnest to follow through and understand what was expected of me as a member of AA and to take each step of the twelfths as rapidly as possible. To me, this meant telling my associates that I had joined Alcoholics Anonymous, that I didn't know what was expected of me by AA, but that whatever it was, it was the most important thing in my life for me. That sobriety meant more to me than anything in this world. It was so important that it must come ahead of anything. There are many short phrases and expressions in AA. That makes sound sense. First things first, solve our immediate problems before we try to solve all others and get muddled in our thinking and doing. 
Easy does it. Relax a little. Try for inner contentment. No one individual can carry all the burdens of the world. Everyone has problems. Getting drunk won't solve them. 24 hours a day. Today is the day doing our best. Living each day to the fullest is the art of living. Yesterday is gone, and we don't know whether we will be here tomorrow. If we do a good job of living today, and if tomorrow comes for us, then the chances are we will do a good job when it arrives. So why worry about it? The AA way of life is the way we always should have tried to live. Grant us the serenity to accept the things which we cannot change. Courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference. These thoughts become part of our daily lives. They are not ideas of resignation, but of the recognition of certain basic facts of living. The fact that AA is a spiritual program didn't scare me or raise any prejudice in my mind. I couldn't afford the luxury of prejudice. I had tried my way and had failed. When I joined AA, I did so for the sole purpose of getting sober and staying sober. I didn't realize I would find so much more, but a new and different outlook on life started opening up almost immediately. Each day seems to be so much more productive and satisfying. I get so much more enjoyment out of living. I find an inner pleasure in simple things. Living just for today is a pleasant adventure. Above all, I am grateful to AA for my sobriety which means so much to my family, friends, and business associates because God and AA were able to do for me something I was unable to do for myself. The end. This story is out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page uh, 300 and something. It's called, It, it Might Have Been Worse, 348 on the fourth edition of Alcoholic Anonymous. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Give them heaven.